Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I'm so happy and grateful to have Kristen Furple with us here today, who it was until 16 plus years in corporate America in the Western part of the world that she really understood just how much she was missing out in her life. She spent her first other seven years getting education and climbing the corporate ladder, doing exactly what she thought she was supposed to be doing until she became very sick, diagnosed with lupus and autoimmune deficiency. The world became increasingly difficult for her when she turned to holistic healing modalities that changed her life. She began to listen, learn to work smarter and not harder. And after seven years of innovation consult- consultancy, she stepped on her own as founder of Hangar 10, a consultancy firm that helps business people use innovation for maximum growth. However, she's still feeling she needed to change. In 2014, she decided to explore India, Africa, and Southeast Asia. This journey took her through 10 countries in two years, and on this journey, she lived and worked in Egypt, Kenya, and India before finally settling down in Bali. Throughout these travels, she learned about Eastern philosophies, which helped her step further into her passion of ultimate healing modalities, which eventually led her to sound healing. Sound healing was a missing piece of the puzzle she needed, and she realized that she had choices, but she was the one in control of her work and life, and she learned how to create harmony and balance in the middle of the business world. In 2017, she left Bali and returned to the U.S. to settle down in Northern California to merge both these worlds, Eastern and Western philosophies. Together, both philosophies taught her how she could live the life she always wanted. Today, she's an international business consultant working for a Swedish-based company living in Northern California and has her own private practice of sound healing. Her passion is helping people discover how to live the life they want without self-sacrifice. Kristen, welcome and thank you so very much for being here. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you here. And we've had a couple of wonderful conversations thus far and I have already come to know you as such a kind and generous soul and people are gonna be in for such a treat because you do have so much, I think really beautiful and sound wisdom to offer the world. Thank you, thank you. Super excited to be here and share it. We were talking offline about kind of the the chaos that some folks may find themselves in right now. And it, chaos is weird. You were mentioning too, and I agree. It's it's a difficult word because it, it implies so much, but it also seems like a fair word for much of what people are going through. You, you and I both live in California and you're in Northern California where right now on top of COVID, there are fires everywhere. I think when I read last, California has something like 500 plus fires going on. We're at a time where, you know, there's all sorts of economic uncertainty, political turmoil, and that's just in the U.S. We, we haven't even gotten out to the broader world at large. I wonder how, and one of the challenges it seems for people in the midst of all this is they often feel like that so much is out of their control, that how am I supposed to take care of me when everything that is happening to me is external? Maybe we could start there and just chat about that a little bit. That's a great place to start. Um, You know, it's true. There are a lot of things that are out of our control. And we, I've learned that I, I can just continue to spin my wheels trying to control other people or other circumstances. And that's, that's never going to be the case. But what I've learned is what I can control is myself, meaning my emotions, my energy, my health, and how I choose to respond to things. 
And once I was able to wrap my arms around that, I, I thought, well, if I can choose how I respond to things. I can also choose what I create. Mm. And so what I like to share with people, and by the way, this is a lifetime practice. So this is something I practice every day. Bless you. This is something I practice every day, which is coming back to my center and focusing on how I want to feel. And what do I want to greet the day with? What do I need as I go throughout the day to keep coming back to my center? Um, and as we keep coming back to our center, we have the power to choose to respond versus react. And that's where it all lies. I want to explore that center concept. When you say coming back to center, what, what do you mean exactly by that? Because I'm not sure... I want to have, make sure folks have a clear understanding of what that is. And then maybe we could, once you describe what it is, maybe we could also look at what it's made up of or how you've constructed your center. That's a great question. Center means man, coming back to yourself and being clear. Here it is. It's being clear on how you want to feel and how mm. you want to respond to situations. So when I say center, sometimes the word is grounded right? Um, it's being in alignment with yourself. But the definition that I would want people to walk away from when you, whenever you hear sinner or grounded, it's being clear on how you want to feel and how you want to respond to what's going on. That's your power, right? And mm. when you're clear on what you want and you're clear on how you want to feel and you stay focused on that, you can manage that energy. The opposite is when we're not centered, it's, it's like we're constantly looking for that shiny gold object or something else to make us feel better, something outside of us. And the catch is sometimes we can find something that will satisfy us for an hour or two or maybe even a day, but that's never going to be sustainable. And once that drug of choice is gone, you know, the next drug of choice comes up and we keep climbing for something else when if we just stop and come back and sit for a minute, and be like, okay, how do I want to respond to this situation? How is it I want to feel? That's when we suddenly step back into our power. Hmm. And no one else is controlling us. As long as we're not chasing after something, no one has power over us. Chris, I find that so fascinating. And, and how does one, you know, this is kind of funny to play on words, but how does one become center in their centered? centered in their center, I not centered in their centered, center, centered in their center. And I ask that because, you know, I think in the United States, it's a really interesting, and maybe this is most first world countries too, but I feel like one of the challenges so many of us face right now, and this is just Jesse's opinion, is that we have in a way almost commoditized happiness, right? We, we've almost been taught that our emotions are attached to the external, Yes. So buy this, wear this, do that. And if you're not, our worth is, is often quantified by the type of shoes we wear, the clothes we wear, the car we drive. And now, you know, number of followers, likes, extent of our social influence, all those types of things. And I'm wondering, it seems that more than ever, there is competition pulling us away from center to give us that quick little emotional pick me up or hit. And, I, I know I've talked with clients about this and one of the biggest wrestling matches they do on a daily basis is making that separation from digital distractions to be able to go into really high level focus work. They know they should, 
Yet those digital distractions provide this instantaneous, whether, you know, dopamine hit or whatever it is. So how does one begin to learn with all that going on to begin to learn or to become centered in their center? It starts with meditation. Hmm. It really does. But I also want to speak for a few moments on meditation because I think that is something that has gotten distorted over time. So I'll explain my definition around meditation. Meditation, again, is coming back to yourself. And so it's taking time to get quiet, to not have those external things that you were just talking about influence you. So it's sitting down in a quiet place and just sitting and being. And sometimes you have the monkey mind going on. And when you have the monkey mind going on, you might think I'm not doing it right. I'm not meditating. No, that's okay. That's part of meditation is having the monkey mind, right? Mm -hmm. It's having those loud voices of the shoulds and I should be doing this and I could have done that better. That's okay. That's part of it. That's part of the journey of meditation. In fact, if you're healing, hearing that, I think that's actually a good sign. So that means you're sitting and you're actually hearing yourself. You're hearing that inner voice. And the practice is to sit there and just let those wash away because they will. Nothing lasts. The problem is what we do when we sit and we start to meditate, we want to clear our mind and that should comes up and we stick and we get fixated on it, right? Um, and then suddenly we've lost the purpose of meditation. The purpose of meditation is not to judge, it's just to be, experience what you're experiencing, feel what you're feeling and be there. And after a few moments, and after, here's the key, consistent practice every day, even if it's a couple of minutes, there'll be a, a moment where you're like, oh my God, I think I had a few moments of space and silence. I had a few moments mm -hmm. of actually feeling good. I had a few moments of quiet. I had a few minutes of what I feel like was calmness. And if you can experience that for even a minute second, you can experience that for 10 minutes. It's, I love to quote Richard Branson on this. He's like someone I really look up to in business. And he says a lot, he says in his first book, everything's a matter of scale, right? If you can do it for a microsecond, you can do it for 10 minutes, you can do it for an hour. It's, it, but it's the, it's the, you know, it's the amount of scale. So how much do you want to practice it? And so getting back to your question, how do you get centered in being centered is it's practicing sitting in silence. Hmm. And there's tools that can help you with that. So what I mean by that is sit in silence. The monkey mind goes on, sit in silence a little bit more. Give yourself at least five minutes in an ideal world, 15 minutes. Five minutes is a good place to start. Let the monkey mind go on. You open your eyes and you want to look at something, just sit there and be. And then after, use some tools. And tools could be taking a pen and paper and just journaling, writing down your thoughts. Tools could be sound healing. Sound healing is actually, while it goes in and it does help scientifically work with your brain waves and work with your central nervous system and all your cells and tissues. There's all this science around that. It does impact that. It is also a distraction and that's okay. It's pulling you away from that linear monkey mind mindset and it's starting to help you calm down physically, which then starts to help you calm down emotionally. So sit in silence for your, with yourself for a while. Let those moments of chaos monkey mind, shoulds and coulds and self-judgments, let them come. I promise they will pass. You'll start to feel some moments of silence. Listen for that. 
And then when you feel called, pull in some other tools like sound healing that will help accelerate that peace, that will help you dive into it deeper because it will help you calm down. I appreciate your explanation of meditation. And I think that's that explanation has got to be such a welcome relief for some listening because I know for me, I, I can't speak for everyone, but for me, one of my challenges and especially in early time pr approaching meditation was it was almost going into it, this expectation that meditation should lead to some sort of profound thing right away. And when I would get down there and I would be trying to think about nothing, inevitably I'd think of something. And then as soon as I thought of something, then the judgment voice pops in and judges me right out of the meditation to going into just instant frustration. And I would think that I just couldn't do it because there was nothing profound coming through. And I, I, I think your explanation is really powerful because it gives us permission to allow whatever to come to just allow whatever to come. It's not about having, you know, Dalai Lama-esque thoughts or insights necessarily right away. It's just about being able to sit in silence with yourself, void from external distractions, right? Exactly. I remember I was in Cambodia and I was going through some personal trauma and things I was dealing with and a little bit of an emotional mess, I like to say. And I went and, and spoke with a monk, right? And I was like, oh, this monk is like going to give me all these wonderful insights and answers. And, and I sat down with him and it was one-on-one. -on -one. It was intimate. It was so beautiful. And I started getting emotional and I was kind of all over the board as I was talking to him. I said, just calm down, just calm down. Just tell me what you're feeling. And I was like, my mind is just all over the place. And he's like, cutest little ass. And he's like, like monkey mind? And I looked at him and I was like, you know what monkey mind is? And he's like, I get monkey mind. And I was like, you're a monk. <laughs> you can't get monkey mind. <laughs> like, like, what do you mean? And he just smiled with the, the sweetest, sweetest, sincere smile. And he was like, of course I get monkey mind. We mm. all do. And he explained to me their journey and how they've had to learn to separate from some of the distractions. And it's not, the distractions and the shiny objects, I want to get clear, they're not bad. You know, there's not, they're not wrong. It's only wrong or it only presents a challenge when it starts to take over your life. Mm. So I don't, there's, I also want to clear up one other thing. It's beautiful to want shiny objects. It's beautiful to want the luxury. I think that abundance is our birthright. It's when our dreams become our prison. And suddenly we have to have it and we become dependent on it, right? And it was just, I, I just felt, I saw, I have goosebumps right now. I just felt such the biggest relief when this sweet, dear, wise monk was like, of course I get monkey mind. It's a practice for me. Hmm. And that, it, it did, it opened up the door and I was like, oh, okay, so I can do this. And he was like, of course, it's just practice. I feel like my some of my greatest monk monk wisdom I've received and I haven't had any intimate personal conversations with monks like you have, but in my readings and observations of, I find the most profound is often the simplest. It's them confirming that they are like us and we are like them because I, I think you go into this, at least for me, I go into this expectation like, gosh, this person has been doing this for however many years and they've taken these vows and these vows and these vows and they must have so much profound insight and wisdom and then you hear them say that and you're like, 
really? But then it's also the same thing. It kind of gives you, again, gives you that permission to acknowledge that they are like us and we are like them and their struggles are ours and ours are theirs. And it's not necessarily about, you know, we, we throw terms around like mastery and greatness and be your best and strive and, you know, climb the mountain. And I think that what doesn't often get highlighted in there is that mastery doesn't necessarily mean that you'll never have monkey mind again or you'll never have shoulda, woulda, coulda thoughts or something like that. Mm-hmm. It, it just means that you're maybe committed to be with them and process through them. And instead of judging yourself when they come, you you embrace, you learn to embrace them as an old friend. Absolutely, you said it very well. And I, if we, I, you know, it's interesting, you said something that, that gave me a, a really interesting reminder we all start off at the same place we're all born we're all infants someone takes care of care of us helps us grow and then we choose what path we want to go on so moms have chosen to go on a different path they've chosen a certain type of dedication just like the expert in a field of innovation richard branson chose to focus on other things right so you brought up a really interesting word mastery i think the practice is remembering number one they're not any different than us. They've just chosen to dedicate their time to become very good at something. I can do that too. In fact, many of us have. We've chosen to dedicate our time at not liking ourselves. Hmm. Right? And so we already have within us all we need. I really believe that. And so I would love for all of us to practice being a master at just accepting us at who we are now. And if we can practice who we are now, all of this weight comes off of us and suddenly we realize, oh, I'm free to be who I want to be. I'm free to practice whatever it is I want to practice because I'm not fighting this illusion of some perfect destination that we think a monk or an expert in a field has gotten to. There's no destination to get to. We need to remember the whole purpose of, we're, we're meant to have fun in life. We're meant to experience joy and abundance. And if we would just stop looking for the gold shiny object or fighting and just allow ourselves to be where we are and accept that, then suddenly all the resistance falls away and we have so much energy to focus on who and what we want to grow and create. Hmm. And, and one thing I also just want to put in there, I'm, not, I'm very much a fan of commitment to action and going after your dreams. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is get clear on what you want first. Allow yourself to be who you are now and let go of the resistance and then focus your energy on creating the things that bring you joy and happiness and just see where that begins to take you. And sitting for a few moments each day and allowing these monkey minds and should have, would have, could have to come in, we start to see that they'll begin to dissolve. You might even have a moment where you're sitting in silence and you just start laughing at yourself. (laughs) Like, oh my God, like, what is, what is all this going on in my mind? And that's actually a beautiful place to get to because then we stop taking ourselves so seriously, right? Yeah. Those are actually have been some of my favorites when I, I hear some of my inner dialogue. I'm oh my God, I wish I could put a microphone on this and put it out there <laughs> and share this with other people. I love what you said, though, about 
it just being about a journey of really self-acceptance of who you are now. And I think that's important and profound in one and same time. It's important to recognize, but so profound because really how can we become a better version of ourselves if we still haven't become the version of self or accepted the version of self we are now? It's like, how can we, how can we build a better home if we haven't yet built what we have into a home or turned what we have into a home? I, I'm struggling with making a really coming up with a metaphor that does what you say you share justice, but I absolutely love that. And I want to talk a little bit about the sound healing. What is sound healing? Maybe explain it to everybody. How does it work? I, I, I know you just you alluded to it more about how it works on a cellular level. But for folks who've never heard of it before or who have their curiosity perked by it, just give us the, the Cliff Notes sure. version of sound healing. Absolutely. I'll give you the quick Cliff Notes version if I could offer a metaphor for what you were just saying. Please. And what I heard you saying was, if you want to build a house, you have to have the foundation. And the foundation is you as you are now. And you can add stuff to it, the beautiful walls, the pool in the backyard, the second level. But you can't add the walls and the pool in the backyard in the second level if you don't even have a foundation to put it on. And so the yes. version of yourself, right, is that foundation. And that actually leads to the salvation, to the salvation, it leads to salvation, it leads to the sound, <laughs> it leads to the sound healing, it does lead to salvation too. Yeah. That's a whole yeah. other, that's a whole other, that'll be part two, that'll be part two. <laughs> um, uh, sound healing, so what sound healing does, and I'm going to come full circle with that foundation comment uh, and metaphor with the house. What sound healing does is sound creates a vibration. And that vibration energetically and physically can come and impact your body. So what it does is um, it creates a vibration. That vibration navigates through your body and it reharmonizes your cells, your tissues, your blood, um, your brains, you know, your, your, your brain waves. And it's a very, very old healing modality. It's been used for centuries. And if you think about it, our voice is sound. If you put your hand to your chest, you feel a little bit of a vibration on your chest. So sound is everywhere. And what sound healing is, is it's intentionally using your voice or instruments like a gong or Tibetan singing bowls, beautiful metal bowls or crystal singing bowls or a drum. It's intentionally using that for a specific purpose, like helping someone rebalance or heal, we say, rebalance, regenerate, rejuvenate. And these instruments can be tuned to certain frequencies. Just like um, when we listen to music, they're in a certain hertz and frequency. That's exactly what these instruments do. And we, our body is an instrument itself. And we have different energy zones in our body. Our brain waves, beta, alpha, theta, delta, gamma brain waves, each have a different hertz and frequency. So when we play a, a note, and we create a certain octave that matches the same frequency in your brain, on your brain wave or in your body, it helps to reharmonize. Because what our body does energetically and what our brain waves do is they connect to that energy and in harmony, it starts to rebalance. Mm. Can, can, I'm curious, can sound be detrimental as well? And I yes. ask this because I, I, have, I have observed 
over the last several years, I've become increasingly sensitive to certain kinds of music to the point where I will, I do, I do not listen to music anymore. I, I, unless it's something I only listen to at rare occasions when I'm driving and I have a playlist that is specifically designed that there's meaningful emotion attached to each song, but I, I do not listen to the radio. I just, because, and I, I don't want to allow myself to be vulnerable to maybe an external influence that may mm-hmm. have a, I don't like the word negative, but a, you know, a not so positive harmonious impact on me. Yep. So can, can sound be, can certain sounds be harmful to us? Absolutely. Absolutely. First of all, everything is both ends of the stick. You can have a positive outcome and it can have a negative for lack of a better term outcome. So absolutely. I'll use the analogy um, of something we have all experienced. Uh, during the holidays, let's say you're getting ready to go Christmas shopping and you're super excited because you're going to get your grocery list and you're just in like the best mood, right? Or your Christmas list. You're just in the best mood. You're excited to go get these gifts. You drive out to the shopping mall and you walk in the shopping mall and it's packed, it's crowded, and suddenly you get really irritated Hmm. and you get frustrated and you get put in a bad mood. It also can happen at the airport when it's super crowded. You can all probably think of many places. That shift is literally what you just said because you're hearing the sound and you're feeling the vibration of agitated people, people in a rush, Hmm. right? It can also happen at work. If we all, we call those days when we worked in an office and you maybe walked into a room and you're like, why did I suddenly get in a bad mood? Because it could be the people that were in there were in a bad mood and that energy is hanging out. Everything around us is energy. And so sound can absolutely do that. The sound of our voice can do that. When we use our voice in a negative way and we get really pissed off really fast and we yell at someone, that vibration just came through my body. Mm right? The opposite then, of course, is true. We may have been flustered and we walk into a church, a temple, a mosque, and suddenly we're like, oh, it feels so peaceful in here. Or we go into a park and you're like, oh my God, it's beautiful. Or how many times have we walked into a friend's home and we're like, oh, it's just, it feels so good in here, right? Yes. It could be the soft music they're playing. It could be the energy that's around. It could be the laughter of the children playing in the park, right? And so all of that does have to play. And so sound, what is important is understanding what state are you in and what are you ready for? Parents, when they drop their kids off to go to a concert, could be like, that music sounds horrible and is going to put me in a really bad mood. And those kids are like, this is the best music ever. And so it depends on what your body and your mind and your spirit want to feel and what it needs to feel, Mm. right? And so... I'll give one more example. You finish work at the end of the day, you're driving home and there's traffic and maybe the music you were listening to going into work that morning was energizing and pumping you up. Right. And coming home, you're like, this is annoying the heck out of me. And you just want some beautiful symphony music or you want something just a little bit calmer. It's because your body's in a different state. It's been, it's been amped up all day long and it just needs to balance and relax for a moment and like calm down. So it needs music that is going to create a vibration and send the sound frequencies to help you calm down. Hmm. So it absolutely can. And that's why working with any type of person that calls themselves a healer and does any type of sound work is is tuned into that. Because you, you can't just pick up these instruments and play them. You have to be mindful of the energy of the person that you're working with 
or the group that you're working with, or if it's online and it's a massive group, what is the energy of the world that's going on right now and feeling the energy literally come through the Zoom or Facebook Live? Like you, you can feel that. And so you have to tune into that to help people calm down and ground or to help them remove stagnant energy and kind of, you know, get some, get some active positive energy. It can go both ways. And then what I like to say to people is practice tuning into yourself. Go back to what we started our conversation with. Spend a few moments with yourself, even just for a moment before you walk out and get in the car. How am I feeling right now? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling ex happy. Great. I'm in a good space. Strive to find that music that is going to help keep you in that vibration. No, I'm getting nervous about this appointment I have to go to. Okay, you kind of want some soothing, calming music. You know, and, and, and then put that intention out there and then learn what works for you because that sound is gonna create those frequencies that are gonna come into your body physically and energetically and they accelerate very right. quickly that energy that you want to amplify. Kristen, before I ask my final question, where can people find you online? At kristenferpo.com. Perfect. Yes. I have about five questions I really wanna ask, but I'm gonna selfishly ask just this one final one because we're short on time and I want to be respectful of your time. What you were just sharing, is it, is, it, is it possible then for some folks who find themselves repeating habits, repeating patterns, mm -hmm. they're stuck in an agitated state, they find themselves getting really anxious, they, they struggle with communicating to their teams, is there something to be said about them <clears throat> making that shift in their tonality of how they say it? Meaning if I'm coming in there and saying, and I mean, I just, when you said that, I just said, well, the light bulb went on for me. If I'm coming in and saying, my God, it's going to be a great day today versus my gosh, it's going to be a great day today. There is a noticeable difference in how that feels when I'm paying attention to that vibration. I typically don't take notice of that vibration because I'm looking more at my physiology with it. But then now thinking of it from a sound vibrational perspective, I'm aware of how even now, how I'm talking, how I'm feeling internally. So I, my, I guess that's a long way of saying, and I don't even know if there's a question in there, but that's a long way of saying that, <laughs> If, if it can be done, if that is something like a little tool or tip, because you and I were talking beforehand, sometimes we only have a minute of yep. where we really have awareness with ourselves. Mm -hmm. Can people start to use their own voices to heal, I guess? Could they start to use their own voice if they just learn to use their voice in a way differently than they had before? For example, if they felt that they were not loved or nurtured as a child or even as an adult, could they start to tell and communicate in a more loving and nurturing tone, whatever that tone is for them. And in so doing, would that help them begin a healing process for themselves? Absolutely. So you just brought us completely full circle because by doing that, and I'll, I'll give a quick little tip of how to do that. By doing that, you're going to return back to your center, which is creating your foundation. And the way that you can do that is first, the one thing is you have to realize you need to do it. And that's just sometimes where an external third party person can help you see things. Cause sometimes we don't see what we don't know, right? Cause we're just so in the middle of doing it. But when you realize what you just said, 
like, hmm, maybe the tone of my voice or even the choice of words and how I'm saying them could make an impact. That's the most powerful thing you can do. You can heal yourself better than even I could or anyone else can help you heal because yeah. you are the master of healing yourself. And so by simply, before you go to do any activity, before you walk out of the house, before you get on a Zoom call, before you greet your partner or your child, go sit in the bathroom on the toilet for a minute and just take a deep breath, wherever you can find some space and be like, and say what you feel like you need to say to yourself. I'm okay. Like, I'm a good person. I got this. Hmm. I will be able to figure this out. I have tools and resources to help me or the universe is on my side or I believe in myself or if those may be too profound and you don't believe them, you could just simply say, I'm going to be okay. I've been okay up to this point. I'm going to be okay. When you're saying say it to yourself, are you saying internalize it, say it internally or externalize it? Say it actually, we can hear it both. Okay. The reason why I say both is you want to say it externally to create that physical vibration, but you want to say it internally. And when you say it internally, you want to feel it. Gotcha. You want to feel what you say, because when you feel what you say, you will begin to attract it. It's law of attraction. I love that. In physics. Everyone, my goodness, is this going to be one you want to rewatch and re-listen to? Kristen took us on an incredible journey of really looking at self. I'm starting with meditation and what redefining what that is and it being a space for allowing the shoulds to come up. Not something where you're necessarily diving into it with the goal of seeking complete enlightenment and quiet and peace right away, but instead going into it and realizing that you, just like the monks who have studied this their entire lives, you too have monkey mind. And so that if you're experiencing exactly what a monk is, then you must be on the right path. And in so doing, allow for yourself to have the shoulds come up. Allow for it just to be a goal of enough of just to be with yourself. Speaking of self, my goodness, imagine that. What a profound insight to just focus on self right now, to become and embrace that version of who you are now so that you can evolve and become that version you would like to be. It goes back to the foundation, which Kristen so gratefully, I'm so grateful she completed the metaphor for me that I was stumbling and bumbling through. It really is the foundation that's center. Speaking of center, right, we really did a great conversation around center, what it means to figure out who, what your center is and how to center yourself, really identifying that place that's home for you and understanding that it's an innate expression of who you are, not necessarily how you think you should be. And she also said, though, that it's really important that it's great to want, that abundance is our birthright. And I love that she gave us that, but to, I think in that too is to attract and obtain abundance, we must first start with having that foundation for, to allow abundance in. We closed up with talking about sound and the healing portion of it and being aware of our environmental sounds, whether it's music or, or the energy of other people. I could certainly relate to that as I routinely only go to the grocery store right when it opens or late at night before it closes now, just because I found I was getting so sensitive to it. And then I was turning into that person. I was probably putting out horrible energy for everybody else too. So I appreciate her acknowledging that. And I love the finding that minute to yourself, even if it's when you're in the bathroom using the, using the restroom, of saying to yourself internally and externally, allowing yourself to get the internal vibration as well as the external, allowing yourself to lose your own voice to begin to heal, to grow, to evolve, and to just expand your awesomeness of who you are. Kristen, this has been absolutely incredible. Thank you so very much for being here. 
what a gift you've shared with us today. Thank you. Thank you. You're a gift to everyone for putting on these podcasts and sharing all this wonderful wisdom from so many people out there. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Absolutely. We will see you next time, everyone, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to